The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We are obsessed about this idea about every one of us has a talent. But the truth is that we are multi-talented. And if I compare myself facet to facet to facet, there is always someone who has different energy, who's better at this, who's better at that. But what makes me valuable is the combination of what I have, the good and the bad. I am Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. I want to thank you all for actually being here. Thank you very much. I'm thanking you on behalf of Mind Valley because we wouldn't exist without you guys. So great thanks, and you can applaud yourself for taking these two days for yourselves. Or three days, actually. Thank you. Lisa Nichols yesterday talked about dreaming big. And Vishen was talking about how to achieve your goals. And I'm probably the least likely person to come out on stage and talk about how to play big. Why I say so is because for 15 years, I've been choosing to be in the background and to be invisible. It was less than two years ago that I found my voice. So if anything, I know how to not play big. (laughs) And occasionally, that helps too. So what I want to share with you is the traps. The traps have been on my path to playing big and how to overcome them, hopefully. Before we go into that, I want to give a little bit of a context to that. So a few years ago, I don't know how many years ago, I saw this meme on the internet, and like so many things nowadays in our industry, you know, I don't know who actually is the author of this meme, but this image essentially says that you're blessed. And being a little bit of a nerd and a little bit of academic by nature, I had to verify the facts. (laughs) I wouldn't trust what I see on the internet. Literally what it says is that there are millions and even hundreds of millions of people who don't have their basic needs met. And if you have woken up this morning in your own home or in any decent location, have had clothes to wear and food to eat, then you are lucky and you're blessed. And it's a cool thing, but you know, there are a few lines in that meme which actually struck me. I can't speculate how much you guys earn, but we are in U.S., and I researched the last few facts about credit cards and income and discovered that if you earn an average income in the U.S., you are not just in the top richest people in the world. This number is scary. It's 0.09%. And what I'm trying to say with that is that we are not just blessed, we are privileged. We are truly privileged. There are not many people around this planet, who are this lucky. Yet majority of us chooses to live in mediocrity, and I've done that too. Vision has mentioned a lot of problems that we have in the world today, 
And I understand, it's actually, I don't want to be gloomy. I think a lot of things are doing much better. Human rights as a concept did not exist 100 years ago. Now we are talking about that. We are having <laughs> not a gay fest, but a Q fest. So there are a lot of things are improving, yet there are a lot of problems, like those hundreds of millions of people who don't have their basic needs met. Or even worse, our climate. It's proven that the climate has warmed up by 1.5 percent. It's scary. It is truly scary. And all those problems are to be solved by someone. So what my point of this presentation is that, you know, if we are so privileged to be this rich, and we are not comparing ourselves to neighbors, we're comparing ourselves to the neighbors far, far away on other continents, then why do we choose mediocrity? It's in our hands to actually do something, and we have to do something if we want to continue living on this beautiful planet. So to talk about the <laughs> traps to playing big, I decided to look back onto my life and share a few experiences from my own life. And through these experiences, explain why we occasionally choose not to play big. I was born in Soviet Union. In fact, I was 14 when Soviet Union collapsed. So I went through the schooling system in the Soviet system. Of course, the last few years, it was, technically speaking, independent Estonia, but you know how schooling systems, they don't change. So my whole bringing up, my whole worldview, everything that I knew was very Soviet in essence. And Soviet Union was an interesting country. It did not encourage questioning the rules. It did not encourage an understatement. Questioning the rules was punishable, cruelly punishable. You could end up in jail or killed. So, of course, I'm not saying that it was some kind of concentration camp. We actually lived full lives. We lived happily, but we didn't question rules. So we were given a rule book of how to be a successful person. And it was very simple. Study well, go to a good university, get a good degree, get a good job, get married, get 2.1 children, and so on and so forth. So by the age of 18, I was surely on the path to success, the way I knew it. I studied really well, because by nature, I'm actually a little bit um, ambitious. <laughs> Not maybe a little bit, I'm truly ambitious by nature. So I studied really well. I studied so well, I got a golden medal at the end of my studies, because the last three years, I only got the excellent marks, so straight-A student. But not just the golden medal, I actually got a medal from the president of the country for being the best student in my school. <laughs> I'm not bragging. I'm trying to give you the context, but thank you. By the way, actually, you know, I can't see you very well, but I can hear you. So if you like something or if you relate to something, and I know you'll relate, you can make this sound, okay? Thank you, because I like feedback. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous. And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams. 
and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. Thank you. So I studied really well, and it just happened so that my school was a special school specializing in English. Some of my subjects were English. So something which is absolutely unusual for Soviet system, I graduated with functional knowledge of English language. <laughs> and then I went to the best university I could think of, which was in Estonia. It was several years later that I was doing a research project in Oxford. I stayed there in Oxford for a few months. I went to the library of the University of Oxford, and I did what I love the most, you know, research, reading books. And somewhere there, I had this moment of regret, my first moment of regret. I suddenly realized this could have been my alma mater. This could have been the place where I studied, but I didn't. I didn't. If anybody could study, it was the kids like me, you know, the straight-A students who speak English and come from weird, obscure countries. But I didn't because I was brought up in a system, in the Soviet system, where only the children of crazy rich oligarchs who probably got their money by killing people, well, I'm exaggerating, of course, were doing that. So in my worldview, studying in a university outside my country was like flying to the moon. So this picture is actually a graduation picture 10 years later after this story. Vision, after I lived for one year in New York, I suddenly decided I need to study again, but in an English-language environment. So Vision convinced me that I can do that. So he suggested I apply to a few universities. And I still remember when I was looking at this acceptance letter from the University of Edinburgh, It was 15 years ago, but I remember how I couldn't believe it. It was like me holding the ticket to the moon. Really, you have to understand, it was impossible. So I wondered, what could I have done to play bigger? Because I didn't play big. I got a good degree, but I didn't play big enough. What could I have done? The thing is that, so a few months ago, I heard a very interesting, curious lecture about AI. And I have to admit that AI is not really my specialty, so I'll try to explain it in a very simple language. So the lecture was talking about how AI is trained, and one of the ways of training AI is machine learning. So essentially, if AI has to learn how to play chess, for example, it's given some kind of rules, but machine learning means that AI goes in there and just tries doing things which are totally sometimes irrational and strange, and we humans don't understand, because if the human learns a game of chess, the human follows the rules. AI, through machine learning, just does a whole bunch of random things. Does something, fails. Does something new, fails. Does something new, fails. But the remarkable thing is that this way, AI learns not just super fast, but it also learns to be almost unbeatable by a human being. So I was so struck by this idea of machine learning, and I thought that this was the missing piece. If I had just tried doing things that I didn't know were possible, I could have played bigger. So fast forward a few years. <laughs> fast forward a few years. <laughs> Sorry. 
I'll explain the picture. Okay. I had a friend who suggested to start a business, and that friend was in fashion. <laughs> It was a female friend from Estonia, but I don't share her pictures, and you might understand why. But this picture was taken in Mind Valley office in that particular time when this story took place, and I just loved Vision's evil look. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a friend who, who suggested I do a business, and you see, business was also not a reality for a Soviet kid. For us, if you did business, you would end up in jail. So for us, business people were unicorns, magical creatures that don't exist. And a few years later, I was a little smarter. I did the machine learning thing. My friend suggested, let's do a business. I'm like, okay, sure, I don't know what I'm doing. So I started putting this corn, you know, to become a unicorn onto me. <laughs> We did well, but our relationship actually didn't last very well. We became friends through business. We were friends for a few years. But out of six years that we did that business, and it was a separate business from Mindvalley, it was like my own business. So for six years, the last three years were torture for me. I really suffered, because our relationship was very bad, I didn't enjoy it, I was dreading going to meetings. And sometime, Dalai Lama told me, you know, Christina, you cannot help anyone if you are not happy. Yet for three years, I would sacrifice my happiness. And to myself, I was telling this beautiful story, I'm doing it for the greater good. I have to do that. I have to do that because, you see, I have clients, I have partners, I have people who work for me. So I was telling myself all those stories and lies about why I'm in this business and why I'm not happy. But the truth is that I was just scared. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs will relate. It's so scary to start a business that you need someone by your side. You need a business partner. And please don't get me wrong, you can reach success with people, you cannot do it alone. But There's a difference between doing something with people and using people as crutches. So my business partnership became my crutch. I was scared. I was paralyzed, scared. And I still remember this day when it was so unbearable, our relationship, that I just couldn't last any longer. I came home, I wrote a long letter, and at the end of the letter I said, you know what, if it is like this, why don't we just split up? And I was sitting there and looking at this letter for half an hour because I didn't dare to press the button send. I didn't want it to be an ultimatum. I wanted it to be a decision. And in the end, I pressed the button send and I went to sleep. And the next morning, I came to my bathroom. I looked in the mirror and I suddenly felt like I had wings behind my back. So what I'm trying to say is that sometimes when we think that we don't know the solution, we don't know the decision, it is not because we don't know. In my 42 years, I've learned that we always deep inside know the truth, but we're just so scared to face it. And all that story about sacrificing myself for the bigger good, that was just lying to myself. So here I would suggest to you an analogy of jumping with a parachute. <laughs> I knew I had to do that, <laughs> and we planned a day when I will skydive. And of course, I didn't dare to plan anything beyond that day. Statistically speaking, I knew it was safe. But all the way to the drop zone, I was thinking, I don't need to jump out. I was putting on this outfit. I thought, no, I can still go back. I was in the plane. I was thinking, I can just land with the plane. And then you're standing there in front of this door, and there's nothingness underneath there, and you're paralyzed with fear. You're paralyzed. Like there's no life beyond that point. 
And then they push you out. Obviously, they push you out. <laughs> and you are forced to make the step. And suddenly, you feel like flying. So my point is that the difference between paralyzing fear and the feeling that you're flying is just this one step. But it wasn't so easy. <laughs> I got my wings, and I was so excited that now I can, I can express myself in business. Because for me, business is a creative process. We entrepreneurs, we are artists. And finally, I didn't have the crutch. I was by myself. I had the wings, and I was so on fire. But my business was almost bankrupt because that's how we parted. We lost our biggest client. There was economic crisis. It was hard, but I was excited for one year. And then the next year, I started wondering and doubting myself: Why is it happening? Why am I not reaching success? And then there was another year, and I kept doubting. And I was thinking, you know, like in this meme about the diamond digger: Am I just being stupid, banging my head against the brick wall, or am I being persistent? Have you been in that situation where you do not know: Are you just stupid, or you're persistent? And I found this answer to me. If I was doing my business just to prove something to myself that I can do it by myself, I can do it separately from partners, then I would have found so much proof in those years that I was struggling in this long, dark, deep tunnel. Before I saw the light at the end of the tunnel, I would have found so much proof that I am rubbish. <laughs> the numbers would have told me that. But I was not doing that to prove anything to anyone. I just knew that what I do is important. My business is about. If you think that what Vision does in English-speaking language is valuable, I'm building that bridge between what Vision does here and Russia, because there are so many people who don't speak English, who don't have access to all these people, to all this wisdom that you have heard from stage. So I couldn't stop. Even if I was bankrupt, I couldn't stop. I knew what I was doing was important. And I was not sacrificing my faith myself for greater good. It's slightly different. <laughs> It was the letters from customers, their stories that their lives were changing, that kept me going in that long, dark, deep tunnel. And then, one more lesson I had to learn: I had to face the honest truth, the ugly truth, that maybe I'm not such a good CEO and manager. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a creative person. I'm an artist, but I'm not very good at managing things. <laughs> And it was a, a little bit sad for a while. I thought maybe I shouldn't be doing business if I'm not good at that. But then I realized that I have to do only what only I can do. Just as an example, I'm really good at cleaning apartments. <laughs> as a Soviet child, that was my chore. When I was getting married at 25, you know what my mom said? After she said, "Yeah, Vishen is a good guy," she said, "But who's going to clean my apartment?" <laughs> But I'm not doing that. Even if I clean apartment better than my maid or the janitor in the office, I will never do that. And I apply that to everything in business. I stop doing things that somebody else can do. And being a perfectionist, the straight A student, an entrepreneur, we all do that. Can you imagine when they started Mind Valley? I was doing programming. Design, finance, editing—I do not know what I was doing. Why? Now I don't do that. Now I do only the things that only I can do, and no one else. And I let other people do what they are doing well. And I know where it comes from because when I was a kid, 
Of course, when my parents went to school, they were told, Christina is generally good, but, you know, she's good with mathematics, but writing, she should do more writing. We think that success is doing everything really well. That's what I was taught. But imagine if when my parents went to school, they were told, Christina is so good in mathematics, why don't you look how she could do more of that? What if all of us lived only doing the things that we are so good at? And not wasting time doing all the other shit. <laughs> and then comes the next lesson, of course. <laughs> so I found my voice two years ago when I decided that I'm only going to do the things that only I can do and no one else. I found it, but I was not sure. You know, a year ago, I was speaking at AFAST, and it's a daunting thing to speak on Mindvalley stage, because without exaggeration, the best speakers in the world speak here. So I was speaking at AFAST, and before me, there were amazing people, Michael Beckwith, with such explosive energy. There was Keith Ferrazzi with his best-selling book, with his authority. There were guys from Goldcast who create you know, viral video after viral video after viral video. And I'm sitting at the back of the room and thinking, who the hell am I to go up there? Maybe I haven't spoken a lot, but I've been in this industry for 17 years. I can guarantee every single person who inspires you has felt that. Who am I? And I was sitting there feeling less and less and less. Who am I to go on that stage? But lucky for me, I had a conversation with this awesome lady. She's a friend. She also helps us to put up experiences at my events, the ones which we do for our Russian-speaking audience. I had a conversation with her, and she said, you know, we are obsessed about this idea about every one of us has a talent. But the truth is that we are multi-talented. And if I compare myself facet to facet to facet, there is always someone who has different energy, who is better at this, who is better at that. But what makes me valuable is the combination of what I have, the good and the bad. And if I just remember that what makes me valuable is me, my quirks, my weirdness, my thick, unidentifiable accent, which probably is annoying some, it doesn't matter. I don't have to compare myself. In fact, if I compare myself, that's the surest way to depression, I promise, if you want to try. <laughs> so it's been my path to trying to learn to play bigger. I found my voice two years ago, and I'm still finding it. And last year, me and Vishen were visiting Necker Island, Richard Branson's island. He has this masterminds there, and I, you know, it's such an exciting experience. And I'm blessed because I've been working in Mind Valley for 17 years, and every day I know that I'm doing something good. I'm doing this world a better place. But when I go to Necker Island and I hear the things we discuss there, you know, how to boost the entrepreneurship in the Caribbean region, how to deal with like, climate change, it's big, serious problems. I feel like maybe there is something else I can do, but I don't know where to start. So I haven't found an answer to that question. But I know one thing. I have to finish with a meme, of course. <laughs> Everybody knows this girl now, Greta, right? How many times, when she was in her deep, dark tunnel, she was going out there alone with that sign. I actually found one of her older pictures before she became so famous that everybody recognizes her. How many times did she have to do that before she became so famous that you know her? Your voice matters. My voice matters, even if it's weird and small and new. It matters.
And if you think back to this first slide I showed you about all the problems that we have in the world and how privileged we are, how truly privileged we are, it's our responsibility to make our voice not just about ourselves, but about this world being a better place. So your voice matters, and please play big. Thank you. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.